Welcome to season four of Exploring the Prophetic. We are on a journey of spiritual curiosity to see how God's voice can impact us and the world around us. I interview guests from every walk of life and background about how their relationship with God and hearing His voice has given them different opportunities and breakthrough experiences. This season, I'm also asking every guest how they got through a time when they thought they had heard from God or they received a prophetic word from someone else that didn't happen and how God helped them to resolve that. Come join our conversation on Exploring the Prophetic starting now. We are in a new season of Exploring the Prophetic, and I love the guests that we've curated this season, especially our guest today, Jessica Jansen, who's new to me. I had never met her before this interview, but we'd just been introduced to a friend. And I'm so excited to talk to her today because one of the things that happened with her and her husband, which she affectionately calls Hot Ronnie, is that they lost their son, Lewiston, to an incredible condition called spinal muscular atrophy. And I mean, that's like a, a death sentence when you hear that, and they lost their son to this. And to talk to somebody who is not only dealing with a loss herself, but also teaching others to grieve correctly in the kingdom. And she's, you know, on top of this as a serial entrepreneur. So starting businesses and foundations and all these things, raising over a million dollars for spinal muscular atrophy and these things. I want to talk to her about how God has done this in her to be able to be this person and to be able to be someone who would go after their kingdom love for Jesus and ambition to serve him in his kingdom after such a loss. I know all of us have faced different types of loss, but the loss of a young child is one of the ones that I think is near and dear to a lot of us. I can imagine my six or seven year old losing one of them would, I just, I don't know how I would ever get over it. And, and that's exactly what Jessica felt. And yet God's with her and God's showing her how to deal with grief and also her husband as well. So we get to talk through today. I think it's gonna be a really powerful conversation. I want you guys to stay tuned. I'm also going to ask her then what I've been asking most of our guests and exploring the prophetic for this season four, which is what is something you were believing for that didn't come through? And how did you reconcile that? So we're going to be asking that question as well, which I think is going to help our faith narrative this year, 2021, especially. And what is God doing? How do we navigate or negotiate in a new way when something doesn't happen? How do we hold our hearts in a, in a place of openness and connectedness to God in the big picture of who he is? And so I think it's going to be really profound. Join us now. Hi, this is Shannon from the Bowls team. I want to tell you about an exciting offer for our brand new book, Wired to Hear, written by Sean Bowles and Bob Hassan. It's about connecting God's voice to your life, influence, and career. If you work for a living or run your own business and you desire to hear God's voice for yourself in the workplace, this is the book for you. Right now, you can pre-order Wired to Hear through bowlsministries.com. You'll receive a signed copy, a submission for a free grant, and many other exclusive offers only available through bowlsministries.com. Grab your copy today. Oh, I'm excited about our show today. And I have right here with me, Jessica Jansen. I'm so glad you're on today. Thanks for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. I'm pumped to be here. Well, I'm excited because we got introduced through a mutual friend. And I love just everything I read about you because I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with what God's doing and what Christians are doing and the mainstream marketplaces of entertainment and fashion and just technology and all these places. And you are right mm-hmm. in that space, motivating a bunch of people, but also you call yourself a serial entrepreneur, which I think is true after reading your bio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tell me, what are you working on right now? And what does life look like right now? 
Oh man, I always, when people ask that, I said, give me a time frame of the day because it's ebbing and flowing <laughs> and constantly changing. I mean, I, I truly believe I'm living um, the most beautiful, bestest, incredible life. Um, and I've, I've done my life by design. So uh, currently we're in January, we're kicking off a bunch of new things on my personal platform, which I'm so excited for. Um, courses on getting unstuck and dealing with grief. Um, we lost our son. And so um, we're four years out from that journey wow. and just how we've worked through that. And, you know, we're upright and we're standing on top of the mountain and we have our moments. And so I just want to be able to share the tools and the strategies and the things that we've done. And it's not like there's one cut and dry way to get through grief, but just share what's worked and, and how we've been able to keep momentum moving forward. Um, we have a, an apparel company, which is so exciting, and we've got a massive launch coming down in the first quarter of this year. And then we also run a nonprofit foundation in honor of our son, Lewiston, that we lost to a rare genetic disease. And uh, Q1 is our big plan to make sure that we can execute for the rest of the year and help uh, fund uh, families that are battling the disease of wow. muscular atrophy and, and fund research because there isn't a cure. And there's so much change that we've seen happen. Um, but there still is so much more work to happen in, in the disease world with SMA. And so we're super excited about continuing to fund and finance and help families. And so, I mean, every moment is different in my life, which is how I absolutely love. Uh, most people that hang out with me are exhausted within the first 30 minutes. And um, awesome. I, I, I know people say like, what's your spiritual gift? And I say the gift of energy, like literally my husband's like, I feel like God made you the like, clone of the energizer bunny because you just don't stop and um i'm just so thankful that i've got a beating heart and uh breath in my lungs to be able to get oh. up and seize the day no i love i love everything you're saying i want to i want to kind of go take a deep dive in just a few minutes i'd love to talk about your son because not everybody um shares their story of grief as a matter of fact it's it's so personal to most people mm -hmm. they, it's, it's something that you only share to a treasured few but you guys have really felt like God's put you on the journey of not only sharing it, but actually giving tools to to help people. And that's, I, to me, it's just rare. I, I remember a friend of mine was asking me as a pastor when I was pastoring, um, what book should I read on grief? They just lost someone they really loved. Mm. And I was like, I don't know. And I looked mm -hmm. out there and I couldn't find, I found a couple, there's a couple good ones, but I couldn't yeah. find anything that would meet their specific need, especially their relative diet of a specific disease. And the person mm -hmm. who wrote the book on grief, it was very different. It was a, a, a like a spouse who had uh, killed in a car crash. So it was instant versus mm -hmm. suffering mm -hmm. long-term. Mm -hmm. And so it was very, very different in how you'd handle a long-term grieving versus a instantaneous death. And I just, you know, it's so rare for people to occupy that space, let alone Christians. Mm -hmm. So let's go there a little bit. And I'm going to dive into everything else later. Yeah. Like, what happened? Your son, how old was he? So um, we almost like uh, immaculate conception, but we got pregnant super easy. We were told we wouldn't be able to have kids or we'd really struggle. And my husband and I look at each other and we get pregnant with our first and, you know, oh, sensitive man. to the, sensitive to that topic because, you know, so many people struggle and I have so many yeah. friends and, you know, get messages of people struggling with infertility and, you know, they've been praying and trying for years and years and me and my husband aren't trying and we have our second child. Um, wow. And so, so we just know like Lewiston is more than meant to be here and, and we're so thankful. And so um, I got pregnant um, post uh, our first daughter. She was four months old, get pregnant, have this little baby boy, healthy pregnancy, teaching fitness, doing all the things. 
And, you know, I literally went into the hospital at 6.55. I delivered him at 8.55 in the morning. So literally two hours start to finish. I like told the doctors like, listen, playoff hockey is on. My husband's team is in it. And I was like, mama needs to get home to order pizza so we can be there for the national anthem. Oh my gosh. And, um, and so like, I mean, I flew through it all. So you just don't even think of any red flags. Like, you know, I'm walking out of the hospital, baby in tote. I've got a, you know, a one-year-old, she's 13 months when, when our son's delivered, you know, you're just in this chaotic bliss bubble and here you go. And, you know, he was colicky and he was definitely tougher than my daughter. You know, I'm like, okay, this is just crazy life with two kids under, you know, 13 months. But um, we were on a family vacation in this um, small town called Winnipeg. If if anyone is listening and knows it, it's like not a place where you'd actually go to, to vacation. I've, I've been to Winnipeg. I can't imagine a vacation okay. time. It smells there. It's kind of, I love it. Though. I love it. <laughs> They have amazing lakes, but um, that's where my parents' farm is. And so we're there and um, my husband drives back. My parents had gifted us their old SUV. You know, it was fairly beat up and they knew we needed another vehicle. So my husband drives his car back. I'm staying longer. So I have extra help. And our son basically goes limp. Um, Mm -hmm. And I didn't notice it. It was when I took him to a Cairo for the colic because he, like I said, he was difficult to deal with. And so myriad of testing, six days in the hospital, we get no answers. You know, we think it's, you know, um, maybe it's an infection or a vitamin deficiency. You know, we're thinking like, oh man, he just needs some vitamins or, oh man, we'll give him antibiotics. And and my husband had to hop on a plane. Literally, he had just gotten to Calgary. It's a 13 hour drive. I call him, he hops on the plane, he gets back. Um, They do all this testing and, um, you know, we're with the doctors and I had spent the last nine years of my life helping a family that um, God really nudged on my heart uh, to go and help. And I had met this little boy um, a week prior to me saying, hey, I know I'd never want to work with handicapped kids. They disgust me. And um, God has a sense of humor and he has a sense and a way of of changing our hearts and, and flipping the story. And so a week later after saying that, I meet this little boy who changes my life forever, who I fall in love with. Um, and he had a sister and they both had this rare genetic disease called spinal muscular atrophy. And for mm-hmm. nine years, I'd helped the family. I'd worked for them at some point. I'd lived with them. Um, I had taken their, these kids on trips into my parents' farm, vacationing in Winnipeg as I do. And, um, you know, giving them these experiences. And then most recently, right before we had left on this trip, we had fundraised 50 grand for, um, a wheelchair accessible, uh, van for their family to be able to get around. And so I was super familiar with the disease, but when I talked to their mom, she said, you should get them to test for SMA. And I said, test Lewiston for spinal muscular atrophy? She said, yeah, it's a simple blood test. Just do it. Like he sounds like he has similar symptoms to what the kids did. So not thinking anything of it, we demanded the test and they're like, no, no, we're 99% sure he doesn't have it. My husband and I remember high-fiving, like we can, we can hear that high-five, that crisp, you know, skin to skin, that instant connection. And um, we're like, okay, we've dodged a bullet. They don't think it's it, but let's just test so that we're, you know, 100% certain. And there's a a series of crazy things. I have it all in my book of how it unfolded and how long it actually took us to get the diagnosis. But we get back to our hometown here, Calgary, where we live. And we repeat all these tests and they confirm the diagnosis of oh. spinal muscular atrophy. And um, in 2016, when Lewiston was diagnosed, there's no, um, there's no treatments, there's no cure. Literally, you just make these children comfortable and wait for them to die. Oh it's like a painful, slow, 
uh, deterioration and you feel hopeless uh, as a parent. Mm. Yeah, we can take a minute on that one. Yeah, no, it's good. I started watching a, a video from 2016 of us sharing our story. And uh, it, it's funny how, like, you know, sometimes I can sail through the story without it, you know, having affecting me. And other times the frog in my throat just gets so big. Um, yeah. Just emotions. Well, I mean, con connecting the story anytime again, I, that's one of the reasons why I said what I said, which is not many people have the ability to share the story because you live part of it out again, especially with this. I have, you know, as I told you before, a six and a seven year old. And I just couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine people who have dealt with um, something like this. I cry when they get hurt, you know, like I, I yeah. you know, yeah. I can't imagine when it's a something like the spinal muscular atrophy. So it's, when you're ready, keep sharing. No, okay. I'm, I'm good. I mean, I think that's part of what makes the story real. And, you know, for me, when, you know, parents are complaining, or even I catch myself complaining about, oh, parenting is so hard. Like, you know, you'd think I would just sail through it. Or like my kid, my two-year-old is, or he's almost two, but he's like completely destroying and ruining our, our home, which we just recently renovated. You know, oh, the man. walls now have holes. And I'm like, man, I'm like, I prayed for this moment. I pray, like he screams so loud. It sounds like someone is, is getting slaughtered in our house. Um, you know, he's got, but I was like, I prayed for that moment that he would have these healthy lungs. And you know, when, when I'm on an airplane and you got the kid that's like banging your seat or he's screaming, like that's me clapping and cheering. Cause I was like, dang, that means we got a healthy baby on this flight. Like that kid is fine. You know, there's no issues there. And it's such a good reality check of like um, what what seemed would be my problem is someone's biggest blessing. And so, um, yeah, I'm I'm just thankful for the moments. That's Shereen. I talk about that because we have quite a few friends who have gone through a lot with their children. And every once in a while, we'll go through something, and we're just because we even had a colicky baby. Like you talk about colic, it was mm. I think it was almost ten months, thirteen hours, they were crying. No, yeah, like that is still bad. Not. You know, we're like, mm -hmm. God, even though this is happening, we know this goes away. It's really yeah. hard, but it goes away. And yeah. we had friends who, you know, who didn't and and who didn't have that opportunity or what we had. So I, I get what you're saying. At the same time, I mean, you just lived through something that was very real. You guys were fighting for it. Like, what did you feel in the midst of it spiritually in your relationship with God? I'm sure you guys, prayer was a part of this. Like, tell me about the God journey element. Yeah. I mean, I share this and um, I mean, some people, you know, score me, but I'm like, my, my grief counselor said that swing's okay. I mean, I use some real choice words with God. Yeah. Um, I, they rhyme with truck and so they are, David. yeah. And, and they are pretty. And, and, um, you know, I just remember being mad, like so mad. Um, and I, I, that that's the comforting piece for myself and my husband call him, I call him, everyone calls him now hot Ronnie. But um, I was like, <laughs> we believe in a God big enough that can handle our anger, our frustration, our hurt, our our sorrow. And so we yeah. can be mad at God today. Um, we got the diagnosis on um, August 5th, um, and it wasn't the confirmed. The confirmed diagnosis happened on the 11th. But on the 5th, our neurologist came into the room. You know, she was somber. And when she said, you know, your son, we believe, has um, SMA, 
I was like, okay, okay, no problem. I was like, I know the disease. I'm like, I hung up with the kids. I fly with them. I'm like, we're going to eventually need an elevator in our home and a wheelchair accessible vehicle. But I'm like, listen, we got all the prime parking because it's like, here we go, handicap sticker. And then I was like, when we head to Disney, I'm like, you're not only fast pass, I'm like, you're fast pass VIP. So I was <laughs> like, I'm like, we got this. I was like, there's perks to this. And then I think she she could see my head, you know, calculating that we would be fine and everything's good. And um, what she said next to us was, you know, I'm sorry, Jessica, it's SMA type one and there's no hope, no cure. And and we don't believe that Lewiston will make his first birthday because he's um, he, he's declining so rapidly. Wow. And, and, and that's when it hit me. And I remember crumbling to the floor of the hospital. And I remember like how the blinds were sitting. I remember how clean the floor was. I remember the sterile feel. Um, I remember that I, it just like, there was nothing like I just, I, you can't even explain that feeling because it's the worst. Um, and I, I just like, you sit in it, you sit in it. And then I, I just knew that I didn't want to stay in that, um, fetal position. I didn't want to waste the moments that we were going to be gifted. And so we got up and um, the children's hospital here in Calgary has this beautiful park and track and field. And my husband went outside and, you know, we literally just turned our faces towards the sun. I said, I don't know what it looks like. We're going to fight like this kid is going to live. And regardless, we're going to bring the joy to every moment. I have no idea how or what that looks like, but that's what we're going to do because if it was me dying and I was in that bed, I wouldn't want a pity party. Mm. And claiming that statement um, and saying, God, we're going to honor you in all that we do in his life and his death and whatever the, however the story unfolds. Um, we've seen our biggest blessings and um, these beautiful, hard and challenging moments um, unfold and, and know that um, we're helping other people now find the joy when it feels impossible. And that belief that we could bring joy to death um, changed our lives forever. Wow. Wow. Man, I just think of, you know, people are listening who are going to need to go through and connect to that, that whole, it's kind of like an inner culture. I think that you guys present, I can feel it on you just as far as how you're even talking about it. Like people, they need tools. And so I'm so mm -hmm. grateful you guys are doing this. Well, I know we're going to highlight your platform at the very end, but I'm just, I'm glad hearing this story. So. I want to kind of pull us out of this place if yeah. that's okay, and put us back into, and this, I love this place. So when I say that, I don't mean pull us out into a more important subject. I'm so glad you shared that, but I want to bring us into just, you know, you and your husband period, like you invited him to church because of a nudge of the Holy spirit. Let's talk about that. Oh God. I love this story. This one's a doozy. Um, you know, I feel fortunate. So um, I'm working on like focused career. I'm, I'm also still mad at God. I mean, here's the theme of my life, mad at God, because he hasn't given me what I wanted when I wanted it. I'm sure <laughs> so many can relate. Exactly. And so um, I'm, I'm working, I'm focused, I'm doing my thing. At the same time, I'm like mad at God, like, God, I like should be married and have kids by now. And how could you? And also like, also trying to be like, I love my life. I'm career oriented. I'm going to make it to the top. And I'm working at this company. It's called Jugo Juice. It would be the equivalent to the States of Jamba Juice. And I'm in, this, okay. I'm in operation. So um, managing like a 20, 30 store territory. And this guy who I was working with, who secretly we had nicknamed Hot Ronnie, but I had never said it to his face. And I honestly <laughs> thought he was a bit of a pompous a-hole. 
Like he just felt like he knew it all. Like I was just like, he would never like be receptive to my ideas. It was like, he'd always done it this way. So that's the way we're doing it. And I'm like, yeah, but that's why they hired me. Cause clearly your way isn't working and it's stupid. Um, and so we just battled head to head, never were friends. And I'd never seen him stay at the office late. And I was known for staying at the office late. I love to work. There was always more to do. And because I was single, I could. And so one night um, we were both at the office late and I thought it was super weird that he was there late because I'd never seen him there. I'd never seen him stay past 4.30 or 5. Like he'd always fly out of there. And we're sitting in, um, his, he's at his desk and I'm just kind of around the corner. And I remember rolling out on my office chair and I kind of peeked my head around the corner. I'm like, hey, you okay? Like kind of in my head, I'm like, why the heck are you here? And he, he responds with, no, I'm not okay. And, oh, wow. and that's when I heard like clear as day, God's voice was like, ask him to church. And so I was like, oh, dang God. I was like, not today. This is so awkward asking the hot guy who I don't even really like, like hey, <laughs> come to church with me. It's so great. You know, like you, I mean, you've invited, I've invited hundreds of people and they're like, mm-hmm, and they kind of nod you off and then they avoid you like the plague or like you have, you know, you're a leper or something. <laughs> and so I just felt that tug. And so I was like, okay, I'm doing it. I was like, Hey, like, you know, when things aren't going great in my life, I, you know, really lean into church and I go every Sunday. So if you ever want to come, like I kind of just like soft lobbed it out there and he's like, yeah, yeah. Okay. That sounds great. And then I heard like the God's voice clear as day. And he says, invite him to good Friday. Like in this like deep booming voice, that's how God's <laughs> voice comes, comes through for me. And I was like, are you kidding me, God? So this is the conversation that I'm having with God. It was like, are you kidding me? Now I have to invite him in the same weekend to church. So that's two times in one weekend. I'm like, this is getting super awkward. And God's like, just do it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and so I'm like, hey, like also, if you want to come on Friday, like I'm, I'm going on Friday. And he was like, you go twice in one weekend. And I just remember feeling like ultimately embarrassed, like cheeks start to flush and then I just took a deep breath. I dropped my shoulders and I was like, yeah, like Easter is kind of a big deal for us as Christians. You know, God dies, resurrection, this whole concept of grace, sins are forgiven. It's like pretty much why we have a holiday on Good Friday. It's not just a day off work. I'm like, so I go to church and he's like, oh yeah, okay. He's like, yeah, I'll be there. And like people commit and then they, you know, flake out. So sure. I'm, not, I'm not expecting to come. He calls me 55 minutes prior to the church service. And he's like, I'm here. I'm at the waterfall. Like, tell me where you want me to meet you. And I'm like at home curling my hair, trying to get ready. Like in total shock <laughs> that the guy is there 55 minutes early. So two things I learned. One is that Ronnie is a man of his word. And two is that that man is not late for anything. And um, that nudge, um, the story is crazy, but he gives his heart over to God. Um, he had almost died of a meth overdose. Um, wow. He was a, a user of cocaine and, um, you know, substance abuse, never meth, but was with the wrong crowd um, over Valentine's Day and had gotten himself into some pretty bad hot water. And um, he remembers um, feeling like he was going to die, tried to call 911, passes out before then. And he, when he woke up the next day, he was like, God, give me one more chance. And uh, God knew that his... His story wasn't done. Mm. And I'm so thankful because uh, he's the best blessing, the biggest blessing that I've ever had. And just like responding to God's nudges. 
and to him just saying like, step out in faith, even if it feels uncomfortable. And so um, the rest for us is history minus him, like, you know, crazy dating, breaking up three times, all the emotions and the roller coaster. But um, we've been married for seven together for 10. We have three beautiful, amazing children, two here on earth and one dancing up in heaven. And uh, we're writing a beautiful love story together. That's been totally blessed by God. Wow. So you guys, I love that story so much. And you guys, uh, I mean, when you say you're a serial entrepreneur, your husband's wanting to go there with you. And yeah. you guys have started a whole lot of stuff. So starting a fashion line and going after that, and then also the foundation, which has raised over a million dollars already for spinal uh, muscular atrophy. That's a lot. That's a lot to run and manage. And there's other stuff going on too. So how how has it been like when you guys have work now together because now you guys do things I believe together how has it been for going from like that old working relationship he gets saved you guys have now started all these things together like talk about that a little bit because I think I love how God puts people together who mm. are the exact ones who need to be together yeah I mean and that's why I mean we think our story is so crazy because even I mean we both were like we're each other's person and it, it doesn't make it easy like to be very clear I mean we're, we're standing on a mountaintop moment in, in our marriage. I mean, we're always trying to work on it, but we battled hard. And I don't like to use the word divorce, but I mean, I now joke and be like, oh man, call the lawyers because it's getting tough. Um, we've really had to roll up our sleeves and, and do a lot of hard work. My husband's still in the restaurant industry and I, I you know, help very loosely on the side. Um, we're partners in a, a company called 98 Food Co. And so there's four different restaurants under that banner here in Canada, which is super rad. They're inside malls and office towers and they're like QSR concepts. So sandwiches and salads and a coffee shop. Oh, cool. it's, it, it's rad. Um, I wouldn't suggest being in that business during the middle of COVID when oh, everything's closed. Um, you know, we're definitely um, having our faith and our finances tested right now, but um, we always know we're going to come out on the other side and that there's a lesson to be learned in this. And so that takes a lot of the stress away. Um, it's been challenging. I'll be a thousand percent honest. Starting our foundation almost forced my husband and I uh, to separate um, wow. be because we grieved so differently. So the way I grieved, which was I did stuff. I kept busy. I got organized. I got involved. I'm solving the problems. And my husband wanted to do work, workbooks and, you know, spend quiet time together and, you know, cocoon. And that was the last thing I wanted. I wanted to run and be free. And, and, and I truly did some days run from the pain. I was so busy. The first year after he passed, I had a trip or two every month. I was traveling someone. I was meeting someone. I had a business opportunity. Wow. And so that, how we grieved, really took us on different paths and put a big wedge between us. And it wasn't until two years, um, almost two years since Lewiston had passed, that then we were like, whoa, 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 this is not working. Um, and so we had to roll up our sleeves and he was just really honest. He's like, I hate the foundation. I hate how much time you spend. You don't spend time with me or our daughter Swayze. Um, you're just always going and meeting and trying to get donors and, you know, showing up and networking. And, and that was because that's how I grieved. That's how I handled it. Oh, and wow. he, he loved that being at home piece. And yeah. so, I mean, it's taken us now four years to get where we are today of knowing that like there isn't a right or a wrong way for grief and navigating business, a foundation, um, you know, handling donors monies, which for us has been now over a million dollars worth of funds come in that we've now gotten to funnel out. Um, that takes big leadership and big responsibility. And 
um, puts big pressure on us. And so learning to have really strong communication is so key. Um, And because we came to a head where we were like, oh, this isn't working, um, we laid it all out on the table. And, and that breaking point for us was also a blessing because we now know what we actually want to fight over and like, what's absolutely just ridiculous. We're like, we'll start going at it. And then we literally like, we'll burst out laughing because we're like, holy, this is what we're like, going to like the hill we're going to die on over how you loaded the dang dishwasher. I'm like, you, this isn't how I would do it. It's so stupid. I think that this is really inefficient. And he's like, oh, okay, dishwasher expert. I didn't know you're going to develop a course on this. (laughs) And because we've brought humor back in and because we're like, oh, this isn't the hill we're dying on. And that like, there's more than one way to load the dishwasher. um, We've been able to, I think, continue that healthy momentum forward. That is so, so beautiful. And I just think of, you know, a couple of things there is my wife and I, when she was, she went through a death of her father, right? When we got married mm. and it was really, it was out of ALS, a terrible disease. Mm-hmm. And her grandfather died of it right after we got pregnant right away. And her grandfather died oh. out of a baby shower. That's the same thing, but it was from the other side. So it was like mm-hmm. just perfect Double storm. Yeah. And I remember her, her counselor was telling her like, um, you know, it's couples who can laugh together. And use that as part of their grieving process and just their healing process are the ones I see make it every time. And I, I think it's one of the things that we have in our marriage is that we laugh and we, even if we argue or fight or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. within 15 minutes of that, we're making fun of each other in the cutest way, turning around. It's just so like, I love the power of play and laugh, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the context of marriage. But um, I'll just say this in the big picture of uh, everything you're sharing with us, I think it's so profound that you guys have been able to do such a give back even in your grieving that was part of your grieving process to do this i think of like you know covid we've we've in one generation in one year we've been able to come up with uh, vaccines whether people agree with them or not that's a pretty astonishing accomplishment what can we what can we do for spinal muscular atrophy mm-hmm. if people understood and i think god wants to rally people to help not just bring relief but to really heal and cure things and find some things and it takes money, power, resource. And I love that you're using just the fact that you were so impacted by your your son, who, like you said, is dancing in heaven, that you're using this as a weapon really against this thing. To say, mm-hmm. we're not going to stand here, which is just awesome. I want to ask one more question before we go. And I'm asking everyone in the season, it's a, kind of an awkward question. I'm asking everyone in the season this question. Last year it was about risk. So we're asking people, what's the riskiest thing you've done when God's shown you something? This year we're asking like, what is something you really believe that God was going to do, whether you felt like he told you or someone else told you through like a prophecy or something, or you mm-hmm. just believed it and it didn't happen? And how did you resolve that? Oh, man. Holy, putting me on the spot. <laughs> I know. We've had to like take a oh. pause for a few times. I've asked people that because I'm purposely not putting in our notes because I just want the candid. And we, you know, there's no wrong answer. So it's just yeah. what's the, all of us have believed in something, even in, as mature Christians, that didn't work out. You know, like we tried to believe God or have faith in something, or sometimes people felt they heard something from God or that they got prophecies about something and it just didn't happen. And so we're just talking about like, how do we resolve that? I I mean, this one makes me sound like a, <laughs> like super arrogant, but I, this is the only thing that can come to mind. So I'm just going to share it. Do it. And I, I truly believe that I was going to like make it big in Hollywood and be an actor or an actress, whatever you want to call it. And and like, yeah. that was like my destiny and my calling. And, um, 
and you know, definitely has not come true. I mean, David Kessler in his book talks about finding meaning in death. Like that's one of the stages. There's no order to the stages, but talks about the meaning. And I, I always, and, and I mean, bless, I've had this incredible family and a beautiful upbringing. My mom has been my biggest cheerleader who says, Jessica, God has big things in store for you. And I told my mom, I said, I want to speak on stages around the world and, and share my story. And this was pre-Lewiston. And she said, well, Jessica, you need a story where, where people are actually going to listen. Like there has to be something, you know, people have climbed Everest. Yeah. You know, those are the people that you pay to see on stage. And then literally probably about six months later, all of the stuff with Lewiston happened. And my mom had to deal with it, an extreme amount of guilt, um, being like, oh my gosh, I wish I had never said that because she, you know, mm. then you're like, oh, did I cause that? And no, that wasn't the case yeah. in any way, shape or form. But I, I believe like, you know, I thought, oh, maybe I'd be an actress because I'm good on stage and I'm, I can, you know, play different characters and do all these things. And, and so that never happened, but I believe that God was like, no. And as much as like, man, I someday still get mad at God and be like, really, really my story had to include losing my son and him dying. Like that had to be the story that had to be the chapter that like people are now going to tune in and listen to what I say. But because I've walked the road that I've walked, because um, we've done the hard work, we've, we've raised the money, we've given back. I, I've, you know, shared about grief. I've talked about not being thankful on Thanksgiving because we've done that, but because of our story, there's um, validity to that. And, and there's so much more staying power and people then want to tune in because they know there's credit behind it um, because yeah. I, I, I'm doing the hard work. And that's yeah. how I reconcile that where it was like, I thought I was, you know, going to be on stages talking about being, you know, the CEO or successful business, or I thought I'd be, you know, in Hollywood movies and winning an Academy Award. Um, that's not the path. And so I've just reconciled. I'm like, my husband and I said, with we almost can't, I can't even imagine our life a different way with Lewiston being alive because we just continue to see where the story is supposed to go and what the next chapter is supposed to be and being like, wow, like this is right where we're meant to be. And it's hard, but it's good. I love that. You are a bright, shining light. Yeah, and I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing. It's so good. Well, tell us how to get a hold of your materials. Where's your website? How do we follow you? Yeah, um, I mean, my main uh, platform of choice is Instagram. That's where I have the most fun and spend pretty much all my time. It's the Jessica Jansen, J-A-N-Z-E-N. Um, and you can connect with me on posts or if slide into my DMs. I do my best to stay connected because um, that community has been what saw us through and, you know, from bringing us hot meals to... Um, you know, supporting and donating to the work that we do. Um, you can buy a copy of my book. It's called Bring the Joy. And it's about how following the nudges of your heart leads to this abundant life that I believe God has in store for you. And that's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Audible, you name a spot, it should be there. And uh, I'm just so thankful for this time. And if I can encourage you, if you're in a hard season, um, listen to those tugs, those nudges on your heart, because the nudge in the moment of finding out Lucien's diagnosis uh, and saying, we're going to bring the joy to his life and his death changed our life forever wow. for the better. And, and if you're hurting and it's dark, I can promise you um, the light is going to come and you just got to keep pressing on. Thank you. And you have, and you're helping us do it too. Thanks for being on the show today. So appreciate you. Thanks, Sean. 
Do you want to be mentored in hearing God's voice? It's not hard, but it takes time, examples, practice, and conversations to really get in the place of being able to get revelation and also to know how to interpret and reply what God's showing you. I have started an online community through our platform, Transcend God Mentoring, where you'll receive weekly videos, weekly live group mentoring, monthly special events, and all of our past e-courses on the gifts, marriage, and relevant topics to your spiritual journey. Come join me and all my platform contributors to learn how to walk out a thriving journey of hearing God. Thanks for listening to Exploring the Prophetic, part of the Exploring Series podcast. These podcasts are made possible by generous donations of listeners just like you. Become a partner or visit us at bullsministries.com with your one-time donation today. Also, if you are enjoying the podcast, please become a part of our family by subscribing. Connect to us at www.bullsministries.com where we want to resource you with our articles, books, weekly mentoring, e-courses, and more or download our Bulls app free at our web store. We love to hear your feedback. Drop us a line and also your rating, reviewing, and sharing makes such a difference in the world for people learning about us. Thanks for listening.